This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. Happy New Year. We didn't get to see you since Christmas, so Merry Christmas, too. I'm so excited about this series. Today we kick off a new series called Encounter. And uh, just to kind of make this well known, we are in the middle of Encounter Week, which means that I challenged you to spend a week fasting, okay? I didn't challenge you to spend a week, you know, fasting something. So, I mean, get serious about going after God as we start the new year. We kicked that off this past week. If you didn't, that's okay. Start today. Spend a week fasting. Actually, get serious. Spend a week. Say, I'm not going to eat lunch. I'm going to take that 45 minutes and read my Bible and go after God. I don't know what it needs to be for you, but let's fast and let's pray. We're going to end what has been our encounter week this Wednesday with a combined service with our student ministry. Um, to be honest with you, I had been praying about what to do, and we talked about a few things, and I woke up this morning, I felt like God gave me a word, and I can't wait to share it with you this Wednesday, okay? So be with us. It's Wednesday night. It's going to be at 7 p.m. at our downtown campus. And today we kick off 21 days of prayer, which finds its origin in the fast that Daniel did in chapter 10 of the book of Daniel. And we're going to kind of this week, every, what's going to happen is every week as we start the week, this week, next week, the next week, I'm going to give you some goals throughout the week. And here's what week one is. The overview is we're going to pray through our relationship with God. Okay? How many, how many of us never really take time to put optics on our relationship with God? We come into God's presence and what we pray is we pray, God, would you do this for me? Would you do this for them? So here's what I'm going to do. You might want to take a picture of this. It's, if you don't have social media, that's okay. We're going to put it right up here right now. I'm going to give you prompts for every day of this week, okay, of what you can pray through. All right, here we go. Monday, let's praise God for what He's done. How many of y'all know God's done something that I need to thank Him for? He deserves praise. He's met me in the past. We're going to praise God for what He's done. Tuesday, acknowledge your sin and repent. How many of y'all know you're a sinner? How many of y'all know it? Okay. Only three of you. That's why we're here today. Okay. That's why we're here. When we get to the invitation, there's going to be a lot of hands going up today. Okay. Newsflash, we're all sinners. Okay. We all have failed God. We've transgressed His law. And so there's stuff that's in the way of our relationship with God. Sin, and what we're going to do is repent. We're going to not just say, I'm sorry. Repenting is turning from it. Wednesday, ask God to search your heart. I've taught this many times. The psalmist prayed, search me and know me. Show me if there's anything inside me that is offensive to you. How many of y'all know there's some stuff inside us that offends God? We didn't even know it was there. So we're going to pray, God, would you search my heart and show me? Thursday, what do you need God to do in you? So many times we pray about what we need God to do around us. What we need God to do in somebody else. What do you need God to do inside you? Inside your own heart. Friday, ask God for wisdom in this new year. See, the thing is experience comes with age, not wisdom. Wisdom only comes from God. 
And sometimes we're going to get to a point where our experience has been exhausted. And we need God to give us some wisdom. Where do you need wisdom this new year? Saturday, pray over your needs. Now, I want you to understand, it is not a bad thing to go to God with what you need. But it should not be the only thing that we go to God with. There's more to talk to God about than just what we need Him to do. But it is good to talk about what we need. So on Saturday, pray over your needs. And then Sunday, the day that we're in church together, why don't you pray and ask God to help you better serve His kingdom? The sad truth is that there's too many of us that are worried about building our own kingdoms. Or we're worried about doing what's right for what what betters our future. And the truth is, is what's better for us is what's better for Jesus. Why don't we get about building His kingdom? I promise you, if we'll get about building His kingdom, He'll get about building something in you that's vastly more wealthy than anything this world could ever give you. We're going to do that. We're going to start this week. I promise you, 21 days going after God in prayer. It's going to bless you. Let's do it. Today, we're going to start this series in 1 Kings chapter 3. Would you stand all around the room as we get ready to go into the text today? We're going to be in 1 Kings looking at King Solomon. King Solomon has just assumed the throne from his father, King David. There was some blood shed as he took the throne. He has now went to Gibeon where he is going to make sacrifices to kind of say, Lord, it started with you. I need it to stay with you. And then this happens beginning in verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God. You have made this servant, your servant, king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administrating justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Can we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Over the next few moments, I pray that you clarify it. You speak it into our souls. That we would, in this space, have an encounter with you and walk away changed for your glory. 
It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Take a seat. While you're taking your seat, touch your neighbor and say, I'm going to ask for wisdom. Now look back at them and say, yeah, but you want to ask for those other things too. Solomon in this moment has an encounter with God. As a matter of fact, Solomon has three different encounters with God. And over the next three weeks, we're going to go through those. But we're praying that you, too, have an encounter with God. I want to make a few statements about having an encounter with God that are illustrated through this passage. And the first one is this. It's simple. God is alive and present. God is alive and present. This is one of the most consistent characterizations of God in the Old Testament. That he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. It is concisely expressed in Jeremiah 10 verse 10 where the prophet Jeremiah said, The Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. It is a progression. He's true. This is not a false God. This is not some made-up myth. He is the true God. Why is he true? Because he's alive. And because he's alive, he's the everlasting king. This mattered in the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, the people of God were surrounded by people who worshipped idols and worshipped dead men. They worshipped the Asherah pole. They worshipped the, the statue of Baal. They worshipped ancient men who had been heroes in their communities as if they were God. But the people of God said, no, we're different because our God is alive. And not only is He alive, He's present. He's with us. He's not distant and disconnected. He actually, in this moment, did you notice, He comes to Solomon doesn't leave Solomon alone. Instead, he comes to Solomon. I love this about the nature of God, that he comes to us. As a matter of fact, when the kingdom of Israel starts, it starts with a young boy that God comes to in 1 Samuel chapter 3. God shows up to see Samuel. He comes to him. And this God who is alive and present is not just alive and present. He wants something with us. Number two, God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship. He doesn't just want to be in the room. He wants to know you and to be known by you. This isn't some frilly, let's go on a picnic, date Jesus, some kind of romantic imagery. God's invitation is that we can know Him and we can be known by Him. And the simple invitation of relationship was a stark contrast in the days of Solomon that we could encounter God. Because for many, God seemed distant, God seemed disconnected, God seemed disinterested. And for many in our day and age, it is the same. But God wants a relationship. Relationships look different, don't they? There's a relationship between a husband and a wife. We're called as the body of Christ to be the bride of Christ. There's friend to friend. 
John 10, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. There's a relationship also between a boss and an employee, a general and a private. There's the relationship of I am commander, you are the person who implements. That's a relationship. Did you notice what Solomon said? Solomon said, I know the relationship you had with my father. He was faithful to you. He followed you. You were faithful to him. I need the same thing. God is a relational God who created us in his image for relationship with himself. Jesus showed up on the scene and went to his people and said, come and follow me. It was a relational invitation. Come walk with me. Come know me. Come stay with me. Come follow me. When you get to John chapter 10, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends for everything that the master has told me I have made known to you. See, a servant doesn't know what the master is about, but I've made it known to you. That's why I call you friends. There's a deepening of the relationship over time. God is alive and present and God wants a relationship with you. But I want to make a point about relationships that's very present in this moment with God. Relationships need both shared experience and faithfulness to thrive. And what's kind of sad is that many of us isolate to one of those. We see only one side of that coin. Let me explain this. Faithfulness is staying true, staying there, staying present staying devoted, staying in it, not giving up. Shared experience is different in every relationship. Shared experience with a friend is not the same kind of shared experience you have with your spouse. There are some shared experiences that are relegated to only certain types of relationships. Every relationship needs both fun, and faithfulness. It needs both of those. Shared experience and faithfulness. But the shared experience is not always fun, is it? Because when I look across this room, I see some of you who have walked through cancer with your spouse. Held their hands as they weeped over the passing of a father or a mother. You've walked through deep, tragic loss with your kids. And there's a deepening of the love that you have as you share that together. Shared experience and faithfulness. Did you notice what Solomon said? My father David experienced you. You met him. He had a relationship with you. And you were faithful to him and his faithfulness to you. He experienced your favor. And Father God, I need that. And what's sad is 
because many of us live in relationships with only one or the other, we're missing out. See, faithfulness without shared experience can become boring and unaffectionate. That's why a marriage that doesn't have the appropriate levels of shared experience and affection begins to die and grow cold. This is true of our relationship too. Our relationship with God, it's true because there are some of us who only know God through being faithful to Him. We only know God by getting to know Him, but we've never encountered God. As a matter of fact, you might even think that following God is boring. But the truth is, it's anything but boring. What you need is an encounter with God. For too many Christians, God has only been known intellectually and not encountered experientially. And He's alive and present and wants a relationship with you. But you can reverse that paradigm. Shared experience without faithfulness can become hurtful and manipulative. We live in a culture that has undervalued faithfulness and has come to overvalue experience. And because of that, there is a certain culture within our culture where people are trying to experience each other without a level of faithfulness and commitment to each other. And I want you to hear this. In that paradigm, somebody is getting used. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to walk away from that interaction broken. And what's sad is that's how many people approach God. They walk into a room like this, longing to experience God. Walking out of a space like this saying, that was good, brother. That was awesome. Really felt the Holy Spirit in there. And they walk out and live exactly the same way. God wants to be known by us. He wants us to encounter Him. Why? I've been trying to ask these questions. Why questions? Why does God want us to encounter Him? Why does God want us to have a relationship with Him? I'm going to give you three simple observations to address that question. And the first one, number one, is both clarifying and it is summative. Number one, encounters with God are not to entertain us. They are intended to transform us. They are not intended as entertainment. God wants to encounter you. He wants to be with you. He wants to roll up in your devotions and your drives to work and your time with your kids. And He wants to walk out of those moments with you just totally devastated and ready to change. God wants to transform us. But for so many of us, this idea of encountering God is just about entertainment in our church 
the kind of church that we lead, that looks like people coming here, I love the band. I love the music. I really like the preaching. Kind of meets me right where I'm at. There are Christian circles where they're so hyper-focused on experience. They'll get in spaces like this, start hooping and hollering, running around, screaming, shouting, and they'll walk out unchanged. What God does, He does to change us and to grow His kingdom. That's why God encounters us. It's not to entertain us. I mean, when God shows up in a miracle or healing, not to give us some grand statement about how special we are. It's to change us. To cause us to see something different about who He is. I mean, when He loves us and we sense the presence of His love, His love is there to change us. When God meets us with financial provision, it's to change us. When God gives us friendships and relationships and neighbors and community, it's to change us. All of it, all of it is intended to change your life. God is not in the habit of just simply to try, trying to make us feel better about our brokenness. God wants to change you. And there's too many of us as Christians that we just make these statements. It's who I am. It's how I am. It's what I deal with. It's always been that way. And that denies the miracle working power of God in our lives. It doesn't have to be that way forever. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Notice that that's not future tense. That's right now. If anyone is in Christ, if you are in Christ, the old has passed away, past tense, and behold, the new has come. Right now, there is new. I hope this new year you get a new you. Because the promise of God is that you don't have to stay the same. I hope you get a new marriage. I hope you get a new relationship with your kids. I hope you get a new relationship with your soul emotionally. I hope you get a, a new outlook mentally in your mental health. I hope you experience the new. Why? Because the promise of God is that we can be transformed. But so many of us don't get how that works. Number two, look at this. The fruit of internal transformation changes our lives. So many times we pray for change and we pray for change on the outside. God, would you change my spouse? Would you change my boss? Would you change my neighbors? Would you change my kids? And what we really need is change on the inside. Internal change transforms the life we have on the outside. Solomon encounters God and God asks him, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything. What do you want? How many of y'all like to tonight encounter God in your dreams and have God ask you that, right? We, that'd be awesome. And Solomon says, I'm a little child. I don't know how to do this thing that I've got to do now. 
He wasn't a child, by the way. That was humble. That was him acknowledging who he is. And he asked for what? He asked for wisdom. He asked for something that's on the inside. God changed me on the inside. And what did God say? God said, I'm so impressed by that, I'm going to give you all the outside stuff as well. See, the thing about what happened with Solomon, it gives us a roadmap. I want you to see this. Solomon's encounter with God brought about a season of peace. It's remarkable. 1 Kings 3 through 7 is it's an incredible study in what happens when we encounter God and listen to him. It brought about a season of peace because out of this wisdom, Solomon goes from community to community to community and kingdom to kingdom to kingdom and makes treaties and begins to make systems and all of this stuff begins to facilitate a season of peace. Now, some of y'all are like, I ain't never had a season of peace. Well, you got three minutes when you go to the bathroom and the kids aren't bothering you, okay? What did Solomon do with the season of peace? In 1 Kings 6 and 7, he built the house of God. He built the temple. Solomon's temple was the precipice of glory for the Old Testament kingdoms. It was so, it carried so much accolade that when the Romans came in after the Babylonians had destroyed the temple, the Romans rebuilt Solomon's temple. Do you know what you're supposed to do with a season of peace? You're supposed to do the exact same thing Solomon did. Use it to build the temple. Who's the temple now? You are. You are. After Solomon builds the temple, he encounters God again. I'm going to go through that next week because I want you to see that. Okay, specifically next week. But I want to make this statement. The way you manage a season of peace will determine the level of peace you live with in the future. Some of you, you're not living with a lot of peace because when you come to a season of peace, you use it for yourself. You selfishly take it over. Use it for your own. I need a vacation. I need some time alone. Y'all just leave me alone. Get away from me. I got some peace. It's, I need some mama time. I need some daddy time. Just get away from me. Season of peace. Solomon used the peace for God's purposes. Will you? Because listen to me. God will accomplish his purposes. And if it won't happen through peace, he knows he can get it done through conflict. And the reason some of us have only known conflict is because we haven't given God a place to do it in peace. A season of peace is an opportunity to grow your relationship with God. Use it that way. Internal change. Internal change will produce external change. It's 
why we need an encounter. But number three, look at this. The starting point for an encounter with God is surrender to Him. What did Solomon say to God? I'm just a, just a little kid. I need your help. It was a statement of surrender. I mentioned earlier 1 Samuel chapter 3. Samuel, a young boy, has been surrendered to the work of God. He's under the tutelage of the high priest Eli, who is a very corrupt individual. And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, in the middle of the night, Samuel is asleep, young boy. And he hears somebody calling out to him, and he goes to Eli, Eli, what did you say? Again, it wasn't me, man. Go back to sleep. God shows up. He thinks it's Eli. He goes to Eli. Finally, Eli starts to see the pattern. He keeps waking up. Keeps thinking. He's like, maybe it's, maybe it's God? I don't know. Next time you hear what you think is my voice, cry out and say that you're, you're there. Just acknowledge that it might be God. And then this happens. Look at this. 1 Samuel 3, verse 9 through 10. The Lord came and stood there calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. I, I was thinking about this and just where some of us are and how many times there's been the initiation of God in our lives and instead of turning to God, we go back to the same old place like our Eli. We keep going back to mama and daddy and asking for advice. We keep going to that same old friend and asking for marital advice when their marriage is ruined or asking for financial advice when they can't get their act together. We're just trying to feel better instead of turning to God. That's not what Samuel did. Samuel turned to God. Your servant is listening, just a little boy. And for what for Samuel, what, what started in surrender ended up in transformation. He has this encounter with God, and it begins with, your servant is listening. This is the beginning of 1 Samuel. And from there, Samuel would go on to anoint kings and transform empires. Solomon is taking over and he needed wisdom he needed help and what happened god came to him he had an encounter with god and he walked away from that encounter with more than what he needed what do you need today we all came in here needing something what do you need maybe you need help in your marriage and it's it's struggling. Maybe there's something going on with your kids and you don't know what to do. Maybe this year you, you had big plans and it always just already it feels like they're so far away. This year you really wanted to get closer to God, but you, you feel all the forces coming against you. This year you want to take a next step in your job. There, there's all we it's okay to come to God with our needs. Okay? It's okay. But there has to be a step before that before God shows up in our needs. And this is the need. What do you need to surrender today? Because I promise you, if you need God to show up in your marriage, you've got to surrender your marriage. 
If you need God to show up in your relationships, you got to surrender your relationships. If you need God to show up in your finances, you got to surrender your finances. Because an encounter with God starts with our surrender to Him. There's a pattern over and over and over again. All throughout the scriptures, the people who encounter God get real humble before they encounter Him. So what do you need to surrender today? Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.